This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So let's try this. I say SEO, you say, um, I don't know. Come on. I say SEO, you say, uh, strategy. I don't know. Sure. Sure. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to talk about one of the leading companies in the search engine optimization marketing space. SEM Rush. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's similar to AREFs and Moz for anyone familiar with SEO optimization tools. And these tools have become massive data and research engines and have evolved significantly since their introduction a little over like 10 years ago. All right. Well, let's get into it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts. Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. 
So SEM Rush started out as a small group of SEO and IT specialists united by a single mission to make online competition fair and transparent. We spoke with Fernando Angulo, their head of communications, about those early days. Semrush was founded uh, 11 years ago. Uh, actually, it's going to be 12 uh, years ago uh, this year in, in August. Um, we have two founders. Uh, well, the, the main founder is uh, Oleg Shogolev and Dimitri. Uh, both uh, were starting this, this company since, since the beginning, Dimitri Melnikov. Oleg was introduced to SEO when he was attending college studying information security. SEO was pretty simple back then, and Dimitri and Oleg quickly learned the basic mechanics of it. Both of them uh, are engineers. They were studying in the Polytechnical uh, University from St. Petersburg in, in Russia. Uh, both of them, they, are, uh, they love mat uh, mathematics a lot, and they were creating different projects. Actually, um, one of them, it came really popular uh, really fast. Uh, the name of that pro uh, project was, uh, still is, uh, SEO Quake. SEO Quake is a toolbar that lets you check any web page for a bunch of SEO parameters. And it was a huge success in terms of adoption as it's been downloaded by over 15 million people. After a couple of years, I will say, they created another services which uh, allows people to understand how people are searching, uh, the volume of those search queries, how uh, difficult it is to rank for keywords. So they were creating basically SEMrush, um, the uh, keyword uh, research tool that, that we have since the beginning. It was our main feature. Then the domain uh, research tool, when people just, you, you just needed to en enter your domain and you will receive different metrics, such as uh, all your rankings, your positions, your, the keywords that you are uh, ranking, and the traffic, of course. So this created the foundation of what SEM Rush would become. And it was pretty groundbreaking at the time. That's right. There weren't a ton of players in the space at that time. And those marketers who were looking for increased search engine exposure, they were hungry for new tools and insights. And this was right around the time when the SEO community was maturing. The popular blog Search Engine Land had just been recently founded. And Google was moving to become more opaque in how they rank content, leaving a lot of uncertainty for these marketers. Yeah, marketers generally knew the foundations of what made up search engine's ranking algorithm, backlinks, keyword density, length of content. But around this time, Google started changing its algorithm, causing major shifts within the marketing industry. Here's Matt Cutts, Google's former head of search quality, from a 2010 video he made on the state of SEO. The trend that I see in SEO continues to be this fork in the road where there's hacking and malware and legal stuff that's going on. And so SEOs have to ask themselves, do I want to go down this route where things are potentially illegal, where I could go to jail if I were to host malware or hack sites to do malware? Or do I want to go more towards the white hat path? And sometimes it it uh, feels like it takes longer, but you, know, you don't want to get the, the overnight drive-by sort of wins that don't last very long, they don't stand the test of time, and if you take that path, you're more likely to be competing with people who are potentially doing illegal things like hacking sites. So I think that fork in the road will become more clear. We've already seen hacking continue to be more of an issue 
in 2009, and I think it will be even more so in 2010. So when we look at our stats about what people access in the webmaster documentation, my site got hacked, for example, in the last little bit, has had a real spike in people looking at that article. So it's definitely a trend, it will definitely continue to be a trend where a lot more hacking and a lot more malware happens. Um, but we'll keep tackling it. The best thing you can do is keep your server patched, make sure that you stay up to date, and uh, hopefully, maybe by the end of 2010, we'll see the light at the end of the tunnel on that particular trend. So Google was really pushing what's known as white hat SEO techniques, which followed their rules and SEM rush helped marketers optimize. But within the good graces of Google. They had a lot, lot of, of people using SEO Quake and all the metrics there were uh, public. Uh, so you can have all the information about links, about uh, the, the, the keywords that you were ranking, but not detailed information. And with SEMrush, you 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 could go to the second level of knowledge about what is happening around you and what is happening with your competitors. So that was the, the key moment. So a couple of years after founding the company, they brought Fernando in on a sales role. But there was an issue. SEMrush, they had a lot of fans, but uh, it was kind of difficult uh, to uh, promote something for selling if you were not doing any marketing. And the marketing that they were doing, it was in, in the very early stages. So um, they changed a little bit the focus, and I was uh, starting creating the marketing uh, depart department from, from the beginning, uh, doing, uh, uh, firstly, uh, of course, content, then uh, asking questions to users, trying to identify what, what were their, their pains so we can create more content. We were creating also the community and social media. I'm talking about nine years ago, right? So being in social media, it was like, we are opening our f Facebook channel. We are opening our Twitter channel. Oh, there's LinkedIn there. Oh, let's go and open a LinkedIn account. But we needed to uh, start conversations. We needed to uh, reply uh, people's uh, questions. And you know, uh, being a brand and uh, being uh, in a social media environment, you need to have a lot of people managing those accounts. Even for us at that moment, I believe we had around 100,000 users. Um, of course, they had a lot of questions. Most of them, they are uh, just product related. So we needed to start our customer uh, support team uh, with one person, then two, two people, then three, and then uh, all the marketing uh, department. So Fernando went to work building the foundation of their marketing team in order to help them move from self-serve to B2B sales. And as part of that work, he needed to know who their ideal customer was. That and more after a quick break from our sponsors. Before the break, Fernando had started building out the ideal customer for SEM Rush. They were thinking a white hat SEO freelancer who was focused on building organic backlinks. But what they found was... The first problem is SEO is big. You have different, different uh, mindset, uh, mindsets out there. You cannot recognize who is, uh, uh, well, at that time, who was a black hat, who was uh, white SEO, because the way that they, they were using SEM Rush was really, really different. But at some point, we find out that the best way to identify our users' needs was just asking directly. So we started going uh, to different events. We started go, uh, supporting, sponsoring different events all over the world. 
asking directly. What a concept. I know, right? <laughs> so as they're traveling around the world to these different conferences, learning who their customer actually is, they have another aha moment. At the beginning, our main focus was, of course, uh, USA, uh, UK, because our popularity was growing more there. But since uh, we were more visible in other countries, we started doing things in Spanish, in French, in Portuguese, in Italian, in German. And the popularity of our, of our services uh, grew a lot in those countries. In some countries, when we were uh, coming to different offline events, people were taking us as uh, the Coca-Cola of SEO. So that they, uh, if you want to do SEO, you need to use SEMrush. There, there, there is no other tool to do that. Of course, we had several uh, competitors, for example, like uh, like Moss. We really love uh, those guys because they were inspiring us, right? At some point, we were thinking, oh, my God, these guys are so good. We hope someday we're going to be like them. But in uh, in other countries, they were uh, they didn't know about who are um, who is Moz, how you need to use it because they didn't translate their main interface. So it was easy as, as, as that. We translated our inter interface to different languages, and people uh, from other countries they could use um, all our features. So that that was a, a really good point for us. So internationalization was their competitive advantage. They were number two in the market behind Moz. But Moz didn't pursue an international strategy, so they became the default choice in these other markets around the world. And then, of course, they needed to build teams to support these different geolocations. Then we created our regional marketing uh, teams. So we, we had uh, people who were working directly for, uh, for the Italian market, for the French market, for the Spanish market. And in those countries, SEO is really, really interesting because it's their own language, right? And they have their own rules, they, their own uh, serve features that they need to build, they, their own way to promote their services. So you need to approach uh, to them uh, as, as a local. We were uh, trying to identify uh, our ideal uh, user, but we just needed to ask uh, how uh, you want us to improve our tools. And we integrated this service to SEMrush that is called uh, User Voice. People just, uh, it's, it's open um, till now, till today. Uh, you can go there and ask us to create something that, is, that will help solve your problems. And uh, people can vote there. If, if we get a lot of votes, one of our product owners will go there, will check that, uh, see how probable it is for him to take that feature, that new tool, and how long it's going to take to build it. And basically, we were growing the, the set of uh, features that we have because I just mentioned two of them, right? The keyword research and the domain research tools. Right now, we have more than 45 uh, different features. So during the time, we grow a lot, not only in employees' uh, number, but also in the, in the number of features. So they relied heavily on user voice, which allows users to upvote specific features. And then they went and implemented those features. So how they helped grow into the company they are today, right after the break. So through the impact of internationalization and their focus on users' needs, they built an ever-growing company. One of the interesting uh, parts when we started acknowledging that we are growing fast was, okay, we had at least 
20 different teams. And at that point, it was easy to communicate with each other. 100 people in the company, you can talk to each other. You can understand what they're saying. You can be friends of them. In terms of autonomy for all those teams, it is it was easy to do the goals pr um, prioritization. Uh, in terms of democracy, okay, people, they are really involved uh, with other teams' tasks. Uh, in terms of management, there is uh, a natural transparency because uh, everybody knows each other. But the problem started when we uh, grow to uh, from to 20 people to uh, 20 teams to 19 teams. So in this case, we have 100 people, then you have more than 500 people. It's kind of very difficult to, to remember even the names of the people from other teams. Uh, maybe uh, people that are coming to the company, you're never going to talk with, with them. We were opening offices in different countries. You know that those people exist, but you never communicate with them. So problems with com communication started growing. Then uh, with transparency, with a lot of people were wor working with similar tasks at the same time. Uh, which was really complicated. And of course, we needed to do something to change that because when you identify that, okay, there are two teams that they are working with the uh, with the same problem, something is happening. And those complications, well, uh, they started uh, to reflect uh, demotivation in teams, uh, no coordination in goals, uh, the quality of the work that they were delivering, it was not that good uh, to be published for public use. So all those problems, we uh, accepted them, we uh, acknowledged them, and we say, okay, we need to change something. And when we change uh, everything, we start, okay, we need to figure it out who is in charge of what. Second, what is the plan B in case of uh, things uh, are, may go wrong? And of course, what is the cost of, of this team? how much we will earn if we have uh, more teams, and what are the deadlines for all the tasks. So all those questions are really good when you are growing, not from the beginning, not at, at, at the end of your business efforts. If you are growing, you need to ask all those questions. Uh, how to coordinate, who, uh, how we need to influence uh, the goals of other teams in order to be more flexible with them why we are uh, taking this task. So all the questions, if you're asking questions inside of your organization, as we do in SEMrush, is you're doing a, a good job, we, we believe. And now they have teams all over the world. Right now, we are about 1,000 people in customer uh, support. We have around, I don't know, 100 people. In sales, we have around 100 people as well. In marketing, we have around 100 people. So we are kind of kind of big now. Our uh, main headquarter was in Philadelphia. Uh, we have all most of the development in um, Russia and Cyprus, and right now in Prague. But right now, our headquarters, uh, our C-level marketing department, sales department, is uh, based in in Boston and. And Philadelphia as well, and some of them are in Dallas. So we have three offices in, in, in the U.S. and uh, other three offices uh, abroad. And with this larger team, they've adopted a new way of collaborating. When we had more than 90 teams in 2019, so last year, we started using another workflow that is called Rhythm that was implemented firstly by Spotify. They are the creators of this work uh, strategy, and we call it, of course, SEMrush uh, Rhythm. 
uh, we wanted to align all uh, teams' efforts into the uh, company beliefs. So we, uh, we as a company, we have our own beliefs. Every company, every big brand, they, they have their own. We want to be the best company to make marketing software in, in the world. We want to build uh, the best uh, service uh, for an e-commerce, for, for example. And all the teams uh, are aligned by different North Stars that are set of goals that the C-level, that the business owners uh, require from us. And every single team... Uh, they have their own bets, so they are creating these bets, putting their, their their time, establish a timeline when they need to accomplish uh, all their uh, all their goals, and all the goals are aligned with the company belief. So it's kind of very easy and uh, logical to do, but if you are escalating that to more than 100 teams and you have 1,000 people, is more practical and transparent. Right now, uh, most of the team. Uh, we asked uh, to them, how good, uh, how bad was uh, the last change that we had? And you know, what was the reaction of basically everyone? 69% of the people who, uh, actually 70% of the people who are working in SEMRAS, they say, okay, these changes are really good because I know what the rest of the teams are doing. Only 30% of them, they say, uh, no, nothing has changed. Those people who say nothing has changed, they return to OKRs. Uh, still are doing a great job there, but the rest of the people are working with this uh, different approach, which is kind of really good for a for a company that was growing that fast in uh, that period of time. Very interesting. And that actually brings us to the end of the SEM Rush story. Now, last week, Michael, you said we had a big announcement. Yeah, well, it got pushed as these things sometimes do. So <laughs> next week, fingers crossed, We'll be bringing a brand new story from a longtime friend of the pod on her latest launch. So stay tuned next Thursday. I promise we got a big one coming. Thanks so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM now has a premium ad-free feed. All you have to do is go to glow.fm forward slash Rocketship and subscribe. It helps support the show and it gives you an ad-free experience. You actually get an exclusive feed that you can listen to on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, which is a community for software product people. Product Collective is also the home of industry, the product conference, industry virtual workshops, and one of the largest Slack groups for product people anywhere. And we're also on the Podglomerate Network, so a huge thanks to Podglomerate. You can listen to all the Podglomerate shows at thepodglomerate.com. We'll see you here next week on rocketship.fm.